Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello there, fellow listeners. It's Mary Stone on a rather quiet screened porch. I think the heat is getting to all the birds and critters, too. Although I am starting to hear a cicada in the trees. Is that possible? Seems kind of early for that. Anyway, it's been so fun to hear about your Japanese beetle adventures after our last chat. I particularly loved hearing from Tara, who's in Sparta, New Jersey, who sent photos of the Japanese beetles that she... Uh, threw into a bucket. 120 of them so far, she wrote. Oh my goodness, I wrote back. Can I use your photo on the website? And by the way, I was having breakfast at the time. I was getting a little queasy from her little photo, I must say. <laughs> but she asked if Japanese beetles are cyclical like cicadas, and they are not. Sadly, it's an annual aggravation. And the populations just continue to grow and grow exponentially unless you do something about it. And so that's where the remedy comes in. I was doing the math, actually. So let's say if half of Tara's 120 beetle harvest are female and they lay 50 eggs, that's 3,000 fewer grubs in the lawn that won't feed on roots. And they won't hatch to chew the heck out of her garden. So anyway, speaking of chewing the heck out of roots, this week's story is about the adorable little chipmunks that can do just that, wreak havoc in our gardens by eating the roots of our plants. We'll talk about remedies and a legend about them that gave them their stripes. And it starts like this. Hello, fellow readers and listeners. Three weeks ago, after working in the field, I came home to two Adirondack chairs straddling the rock garden. It's the only way I could get her to stop digging, Kurt explained and jumped off the riding mower, Jolie by his side. Clearly, she took advantage of eyeballs off and busily uprooted the plants in pursuit of chipmunks. Her hole was about four feet wide and a foot deep. No kidding. <laughs> Where did the soil go? Kurt asked. Jolie's dig likely caused the chipmunk condominium to cave in. I wondered where the plant parts went, but didn't ask, knowing Kurt tidied up the scene before placing the chairs. It was so funny to see these chairs on the rock garden, and it stayed there for quite some time. I'm jumping ahead in the story. As chipmunks build their 20 to 30 foot multi-tunnel abodes, they stuff the dirt in their cheeks and deposit it elsewhere. Hence, no mounds at the entry hole. How stealth. I'm just laughing because it is stealth. I mean, they do that so that predators don't know they're in the hole. Very clever, right? The same cheek-stuffing strategy is how they carry their stash of seeds, bulbs, and tender roots and root vegetables into their homes to dine through winter. Chipmunks also eat insects and grubs, so that's a good thing, I suppose, but before we put a check in the what they're good for column, they also eat baby birds and eggs, like our red-shouldered hawk we spoke about a few weeks back in episode 64. If you recall, I had hoped he would be eating the chipmunks instead of the baby birds, which isn't really fair, is it? Anyway, back to my story. Penn State University says there are often two to four chipmunks per acre, though as many as ten per acre can hunker down if there's enough food and cover. 
My rock wall must be the capital of the neighborhood, as there seems to be armies scurrying around. Worrisome as they cause structural damage. They live about three years, breed twice a year, and have two to five young, who then have their young'uns within a year. So you do the math. You can find organic topical sprays such as Critter Ritter made of black pepper and chili pepper, but chipmunks tunnel to eat roots, so topical sprays don't work very well. Though the critters with a yen for spicy food may enjoy the feast. There are snap traps, poisonous bait, and live traps to relocate them. But who will be the lucky recipient of your transport? Plus, chipmunks will likely return after moving them unless they're more than 10 miles away. Can't even imagine that. They can walk 10 miles back to your house? Hmm. Years ago, my design colleague and dear friend, Marty Carson, suggested juicy fruit gum. It has to be the old-fashioned stick kind in the yellow wrapper. Not so easy to find. I unwrap the sticks using gloves to keep them free of a human scent and toss them into their holes. The theory is they eat the gum, which buggers up their innards. Not very humane, I know. But neither is eating roots, causing plants to suffocate. Poor dears. The punchline is my chipmunks like juicy fruit gum. And it seems they invited their friends to join the party. Maybe they'll croak from rotting teeth. <laughs> Marty then suggested an outdoor cat would sure do the trick. Or a rescue dog from the streets of Biloxi, Mississippi. Proud mama. Of all the techniques, a quarter cup of castor oil, the original stinky kind, mixed with a gallon of warm water and a couple droplets of dish detergent to saturate the ground near the holes, sounds like the most promising way to evict them. They hate the smell and bitter taste. Work your way out to not encourage them to hunker down near your foundation. Yes, the rock wall party of chipmunks seemed to have lessened since the big dig. I waited a few weeks with the chairs still poised to be sure our huntress lost interest in the site, then filled the gap with composted soil and planted a temporary solution of an assortment of marigolds. Mary's gold, I called them as a kid. After learning the legend of marigolds a few years back, I grew to admire them again. You can go back to that story, by the way, on the Garden Dilemmas website, and actually it's featured in episode one of our podcast series. I love the story. I think you will, too. I'm hoping the roots remain of the plants once there, and they'll magically return. But not the chippers, though. Nothing personal. Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com as I was preparing the story for the newspaper, I did a little research to see if there were any legends about chipmunks, and I did find one. It's a Uruquois legend of a bear and a chipmunk, and I'm going to give you the brief on the story and put a link in the show notes. A bear touts his power and strength as he turns over a log to reveal a chipmunk under it. The chipmunk exclaims, if you're that strong, make the sun not rise tomorrow morning. He assures the chipper he is powerful enough to do just that. The following day, when the sun rose, the chipmunk raced around in glee, touting and making fun of the bear for not being able to achieve his stated strength. The bear grew angry and pinned the chipmunk to the ground, demonstrating his power and threatening to kill the little critter. The chipmunk begged for one more prayer, but he needed more breath if only the bear could release the pressure on him a little bit. He did, and of course the chipmunk scurried back into his abode. As the legend goes, the bear took one swoop at the chipmunk on its back and left the three stripes that exist today. The lesson is not to bully. As the story is told, it was in light of the chipmunk bullying the bear. 
But when you think about it, it was a two-way street, right? I mean, the bear was just as mean and nasty and threatening as was the chipmunk making fun of the bear. I dug in a little further and learned from the firstpeople.us website. That's the first people of America and Canada. Their conclusion of the legend is that, to this day, all chipmunks wear the scars as a reminder what happens when one animal makes fun of another. So it was a story to teach children to not bully. Interestingly, adults could learn that lesson, couldn't we? It sure sounds like what happens in our government and amongst politicians when you think about it. Teaching our children bullying is okay. Imagine if the bear and chipmunk became great friends and there were no scars or stripes. Thanks so much for coming by. I always enjoy our time together on the screen porch, and I hope you have as well. And if so, please invite your friends to tune in. It would help grow our audience so more of us can join and learn and grow in the garden of life. Thanks so much. See you next time. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.